0: This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we discuss the next two parables of Jesus in Matthew 13, treasures and pearls. Absolutely. But before we go any farther, we have further, a guest. We have a guest. What's the right expression?
1: Farther or further? It's further. Is it further? Before yeah. we go any further. Special
0: guest, Yep. Corey Nadler. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Corey,
1: tell us who you are. Corey, well, I'll tell a little bit of who you are. Corey was uh, WSU. Are you, are, you, are you an alum yet?
2: I am an alum now. You're all done? Yeah. With yeah. all your
1: grad work? Yeah. Are you a working man now? Uh, No, I'm trying to be a working man <gasps> right okay. now. That's good. Applying then. for jobs. All right. Good. Yeah. Ooh. So shout out to anybody out there. Do you need to be in an area, Spokane area? Yeah. 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 Any Spokane listeners out there that need a...
2: Biochemist.
1: A biochemist. Yeah. I don't necessarily have any good jobs for you here at BayModDiscipleship dot com, but it's oh, too bad. If somebody out there does, actually, if you want to raise money, I got lots of jobs for you. No, uh, Corey is one of our uh, BayMod WSU alumni. That's the I always get confused: alum, alumni, alumnus. Alumnus is the this, singular. This is becoming the verb podcast. Yeah. Um no, it's good. So tell us more about. Uh, let's see, you got a family now, right? uh yeah yeah so
2: i just got married um last october
1: yeah excellent and uh anything else about you other than you're a biochemist what else you love to do favorite hobbies
2: um well my wife says that i'm good at cooking i i don't know about that but that's what she says
1: hey if she says that that's pretty good yeah that's like the one person you want to think that yeah that's good and you're that's excellent yeah and I, i love your wife tell her i said hi I will do that. She's fantastic. Does yeah. your wife have a name?
2: Uh my wife's name is Maria. Maria.
1: Yeah. Maria Nadler. Excellent. You guys got married when? How long ago? Uh we got married in October. Excellent. Like, he, it was outdoors. I already said that. Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, I don't actually listen. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Now you're current on our podcast. Yeah. I've been told, right? Yeah. So uh what what's your you've listened to session, one session, two session three. What's your favorite session, Corey?
2: Well, I really liked session one quite a bit. Yeah. But I have really been enjoying this particular uh session right now where we're going through Matthew
1: just bit by bit. Man, that, that is from everybody I've heard, that is popular opinion right there. I've heard of one person that was like, Session two, man, I loved that. Most people if they made it, they talk about it as like it was good, Marty, but it was a slog. We I would say through session two. I would say that session
2: two um, affected how I view those passages probably more
1: than sure the other ones did. Yeah. But but yeah. not as captivating. Not no, as no not as stimulating, if you will. All right, we got parables to talk about two more, in fact, but two more short ones. Hey, that sounds familiar. Did you say two mini parables, Marty? Does that sound familiar, siblings? Sure. When was the last time you saw two mini parables? Um. Recently, yeah. What, what were we talking about when we saw too many parables? Mustard seed and yeast. Yeast. And then last podcast we said uh, that Jesus was doing what? Can you remember? He was telling a whole story. Okay. Yeah. So like they asked him for further explanation on the weeds once they went inside, and we suggested that what he's probably going to do is he's going to go back through and reiterate the teaching that he already gave in the soils, the weeds, the seed, and the yeast. And he's now going to kind of reiterate those teachings, maybe by expanding, maybe adding a little bit. But we should find the exact same themes as we go through these parables. He shouldn't be teaching on new things. He should be repeating the teaching that he already gave in the previous. So I I just find it interesting that there are two very small parables, just like there were two very small parables the first time. A parallelism, if not a chiasm? If not, I've wondered that. I've wondered that. I've wrestled with that. Definitely a parallelism for sure, at least in my mind. I mean, I'm no literary scholar. I'm no Ken Bailey, but if I had to give my two cents, that's what I think. All right. You want me to jump
0: in? Uh, Just do it before I say anything else. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything
1: he had and bought it. All right. So we're going to use the same Jewish hermeneutic roadmap that we've been using in all of our other parable studies in Matthew 13. So the first thing we're going to look at is... What, Brent? Peshat. Peshat. I'd ask Corey, but this episode hasn't been released yet for him in real time, so he hasn't heard this yet. I don't want to put you on the spot with that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Peshat would well, be you, this... Wait, wait,
0: wait. You've been through Bema before, though, right? Yeah. So you're... I mean... Like, currently, you're listening to it, but you've been through Baymont Materials before that as well, right? Yeah. So you're kind of familiar with it. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's Brent Billings giving you a fair warning. That's that's like a shot across the bow, like, oh, okay. be prepared.
0: <laughs> Marty stumps me all the time. Most of the time, I edit that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's getting excited that somebody else can be asked questions right now. I like that. Uh, let's see here. Pashat. By the way, people say you're like their ambassador, like you're their priest. They're like, no, keep asking Brent Billings questions. He's like us. We get to like identify. They identify with you. You are their like mascot.
0: The identify with the embarrassing lack of (laughs) answers.
1: (laughs) All right. So we want to ask Peshat. So uh, Peshat would be surface level reading. So Corey, let me just ask you, uh, I'll read them again. Um, And uh, you tell me what just, as you just read it on the surface, what kind of things you take away here? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. What are, what are some of your Peshat takeaways from that? Um, well,
2: the first thing that I notice about the passage is the kingdom of heaven is weird because they're kind of both weird stories. I don't know, but I think they're weird stories. Very true. Um. Uh, And then obviously the second thing that I noticed about the stories is that the characters in both stories are very devoted to the thing that they are
1: interested in in the story. Absolutely. And they even like what does that devotion look like practically in the story? Basically getting rid of everything they ca- ha- everything they have to right. get that thing. This thing that they found is so valuable that everything else pales in comparison and they can get rid of everything else just to get this thing. And he said uh, Brent he said the kingdom of heaven is weird, which sounds to me like what did we say about the mustard seed and what was the word we used the kingdom of heaven is what was our pashat takeaway for that? mm let's see here we said it was um counter counterintuitive counterintuitive yeah, yeah. i feel like that that fits with the whole weird theme that Corey just brought the counterintuitive kingdom, kingdom is weird it's counterintuitive it's it's backwards it doesn't just fit our normal assumptions right okay
0: speaking of normal is it normal for a guy to wander around and dig around in fields that he doesn't own no because <laughs> I wouldn't think so
1: That is absolutely a great point And hold on to that Because I want to come back To at least half of that idea Okay Here in just a moment I think that's actually A really good question So the next thing After Peshat We're going to be looking for What Mr. Billings? Ramez. Uh Remez, right So now we're looking for a Remez, And uh, probably one of the first things That would come to mind Is going to be And I always love this part So like Because it's not supposed to be like this It's not supposed to be a podcast Where we just go through this systematically It's supposed to be a wrestling match It's supposed to be you and BibleGateway.com or other internet tools or just your mind or other people or your Bibles. But we kind of shortcut the process, so it always feels a little awkward to me. But nevertheless, one of the first uh, passages that I'm going to think of and I think most Jews are going to think of when you think of a treasure hidden in a field is going to be Proverbs 2. And I think you've got, Corey, do you have Proverbs 2, 1 through 8? Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Listen to this. Uh, Proverbs 2,
2: 1 through 8. come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield for those uh, whose walk is blameless, for he guards the
1: course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. All right. And that verse right in the middle there, if you search for it as hidden treasure, like seems like a really blatant line that if I'm hearing a parable about somebody searching for, and you said like searching aimlessly and people's wandering around in people's fields and finding hidden treasure, that's a passage that's going to come to mind. Add to that the fact that a pearl, which is going to be the very next parable after the hidden treasure, a pearl is actually a Hebrew idiom for a proverb, for a teaching, for a nugget of wisdom. They call those things pearls. So those things like really go together. And I hear that and I think to myself, golly, that's that has to be a remez on some on some level, at least I'm going to be wrestling with that and thinking about that. I don't know if it's the remez, but in order to get to that point, I want to move towards the next level, Brent, drosh, the drush. all right? So let's see here. If this is a remez, if Proverbs is a remez, then this would mean that at least part of Jesus's drush surrounding this teaching is that wisdom and understanding of the kingdom is something that must be sought after and dug for. Like it's something you have to work for. You don't just find it. Like, he wasn't just wandering down the street and saw it on a shelf. He was wandering around in a field and dug it up, right? This takes work. In other words, if you aren't willing to do the work of preparing your soil, you aren't going to find the wisdom buried in the field. The wisdom is, again, buried, just like what, Brent? Like treasure. Like treasure, or like, what else have we talked about that's been buried? The seeds. The seed, or even by extension? Yeast. Yeast, buried buried in bread, right? This kingdom of heaven is, uh, it is weird, Corey. It's this thing that's always counterintuitive and it's something small and it's something hidden, which stands in contrast to this John the Baptist narrative, which is it's loud, it's coming with trumpets, it's showing up, and Jesus is saying, no, it's not, it's buried, and you have to go digging for it and you have to find it. And this is hard work, right? So that's at least on some level, um, the wisdom is buried. Notice the emphasis on Proverbs 2 about understanding that word understanding. Now, go back and think about the parable of the soils. What was the difference? Uh, Maybe, Corey, you can remember this too. You haven't heard the podcast, but you can remember the parable of the soils, right? What was the difference, Corey, for the learner who was the good soil, the one who hears the word and what? Do you remember? The good soil is the one who hears the word and... I don't know. Okay, let me let me uh, let me give you some hints and see if we can dig it out. And then Brent can be searching his notes right now, because um, I'm coming to him next. Uh, let's see here. So the rocky path is the one who who hears the message, but evil one snatches it away. Then there's the rocky soil who hears the uh, hears the word, um, and and it once receives it with joy. And then the uh, thorny soil, the thorns is the person that hears the word, but the worries of the world, but the good soil is one who hears the word and, uh, takes it in almost, almost. Okay. What do you got, Brent? Receives Puts it. it into practice, maybe? Oh, man, not quite, but okay. the word understands, which is, t- it ties me back to Proverbs too. Cause how many times did Corey read the word understanding? If you look for understanding, it's this repetitive idea, understanding. And when I think of the parable of the soils, I think about the one who hears the word and understand it. The understanding comes because somebody is willing to break up their unplowed ground, clear it of rocks, and burn away the thorns. It comes to the one who searches for truth as for hidden treasure. That's what Proverbs 2 tells us. However, there's one glaring issue I want to close our discussion with today in this whole thing. And it's the characters and the parables appear to be off. Notice that with every parable told in this teaching, who is the man, Brent? Who's the man in the parable of the sower? Or the soils, excuse me. Oh, in the soils, it's God. It's God. Who is the man in the parable of the weeds? The owner of the field. God. God. Who Who is the man who... Um, the farmer who goes out and plants a, a seed and a mustard or a mustard seed in his field. God. God. And who is the woman? Oh, we're going to get some people theologically riled up now. But who is the woman that bakes leaven into her bunch of dough? Obviously Sarah, but the implication parable is God. Is God. So who in the should... image of God, he created them male and female.
0: He created them. Absolutely. It all works out. There. It all works out. Just, just get back to Genesis yeah, and, then, yeah. and then come back when you're done.
1: Absolutely. Not only Genesis, let's go to Psalms, by the way. Did you know that there are three, the rabbis point out, there are three different, this is a total side note, by the way, bonus material, podcast episode 113 bonus episode. Um, so in the Psalms, there are lots of different pictures for God. Like God is a fortress, God is a rock, God is, you know, all these different things. So God animals, like God can be lots of things. There's only three people characters, like human beings that God takes the form of in the Psalms. One of them is a... Uh, a father, obviously. One is a nursing woman. So the woman becomes the image of God. Uh, I think three times in the Psalms, God is talked about as a nursing, as a mother who nurses at her breast, so God. Um, And then uh, the other one is a shepherd. Now let me ask you, Corey, can you remember anywhere else where I find a shepherd, a woman, and a father? Uh,
2: I can think of lots of places with shepherd, woman, and fathers. Can you think of anywhere where they're tied together? Uh, maybe in Genesis, maybe
1: with... Let's go Jesus. Think Gospels.
2: Okay. Think Gospels. Okay. Shepherd,
1: woman, and father. Well, at the birth of Jesus would make sense. Okay. Ooh, that's good. Oh man, this is actually getting better and better. The more we have people in this room. Get more people in here. This is getting better. My material's growing. Okay. What else? Jesus actually has a teaching where he talks about a shepherd and then a woman and then a father. Brent, do you know where I'm headed? There's a shepherd with a lost sheep, there's a woman with a lost coin, and there's a shepherd, no, excuse me, there's a father with a lost son, Luke 15. We haven't talked about that yet. Which we won't because we're not using Luke to go through our gospels. So I thought, why not brace ourselves and stop for a moment and be like, hey, Jesus catches this woman thing as well and uses it to talk about who God is. He does it very, very intentionally in those parables. Actually, not parables, one parable, three stories. To read luke 15 we have the two shortest
0: parables in yes. the gospels today so <laughs> right we're gonna go. throw in as many more
1: that's as right we can on top of it that's right okay so uh my point being uh what was my point how did we how did we end up there now wait a second we're not gonna talk about luke 15 seriously no, no, no we can't do that well, now. not now but oh like my goodness. goodness are we not gonna cover that later i don't know maybe oh, don't bring it up because okay. then our listeners will All demand right. they'll demand that we cover it all right. Uh, all right. What were we talking about? Uh, why did that come up? Woman. Um. Oh, the woman in the dough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so God is the the farmer. God is the farmer. God is the farmer. <laughs> God is the woman. So in all these parables, who will the person, like, we haven't, we'll do the fish in the net in our next episode, but who's the one in charge of the fisherman with the fish in the net? It's going to be God. So who does the man see when we do this parable here and we're like, well well the kingdom of heaven is like a man who searches for hidden treasure, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who who does the merchant and who does the man have to be if we're consistent, right? It seems like it has to be God. It seems like it has to be God. But we read those parables and we think, Oh, it's like me. I have to go out and search for hidden treasure. Like if if all I if all I sit there and see is Proverbs two, then I'm the man, which I, I pause and I go, Wait, but I'm not the man in any of these other parables. So, so w- w- is there something that we could be missing? I think this is my own personal opinion. And I always like to specify that before I've heard, if I've never heard somebody else teach it, I'm always quick to let you know, this is just my idea, but I believe Proverbs two is not our primary remes. I think it's the one that would have come to mind first, but I think the disciples would have stepped back and went, wait a minute, we're not the man. So what is the passage that does come to mind? I think, what, do I, what did I tell you a couple weeks ago, Brent, I thought were like the source for so many of Jesus' Rameses? Uh, Ezekiel. Book of Ezekiel. Guess what happens in Ezekiel 16? You got this one, Corey? Read, read us Ezekiel 16, verses 1 through 7. The word of the Lord came to me,
2: son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. "'Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. "'Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. "'On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, "'nor were you washed with water to make you clean, "'nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. "'No one looked on you with pity "'or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. "'Rather, you were thrown out into the open field.' For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, Live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked.
1: And I hear this and I think to myself, My goodness, we have God finding something in the field. And if you read the rest of Ezekiel 16, if you go on in your own time to do that, it's this long discourse about how much God loved and cherished this treasure that he found in the field. And I wondered to myself, is the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl, is it a parable of what God found? And it's not about us primarily finding wisdom. The parable actually speaks about God finding his people, That's juicy. Now, to add to that, let me tell you this, and nobody's going to believe this. So you're going to have to go on Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub or whatever Bible tools you use. And you need to look this up for yourself. But in that passage above, there's a phrase there that says, I made you grow like a plant of the field. First of all, come on now. With all the growing of plants that we've had in the parables. Tell me that's not just fantastic. Trees and mustard seeds and weeds and soils. My goodness. I uh, made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and entered puberty. The Hebrew phrase for entered puberty is actually translated most literally as beautiful jewel, only it's put into like a a verb form, which is what makes it pretty tricky to translate and why they translate it entered puberty. The the language of Ezekiel is so unbelievably sexual throughout the whole thing. I don't mean that in a crass way, in a crude way. It just has this very electric, um, provocative, sexualized language for its original Hebrew audience and we translate it away in ezekiel all the time all the time it's so frustrating but that uh, the the king james to give you an idea translates it as uh, thou hast and thou hast increased and waxen great and thou art come to excellent ornaments Thou art come to excellent ornaments, which is much more literal translation. The phrase there, entered puberty, is literally excellent ornaments. Come to excellent ornaments. The ESV for a slightly more modern take. I love this. It uh, says, you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Full, yeah, it's a great like middle ground in that translation. Strikes a balance between what the NIV said and what the King James was doing. So would you say that that's sort of, that
2: phrase is sort of like an author in like the 1800s writing about somebody blossoming into their womanhood or yes, whatever?
1: great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, this adornment, um, it's a, that's a great way to think about it. Absolutely. Like a Victorian age type language type situation. Um, now, in Hebrew thought, uh, another thing that ne- we need to stack onto that is the word for jewel— In the Hebrew, there's not a whole lot of words for some things. So the word for jewel, a pearl, is not a really present idea in Hebrew language, biblical, ancient, biblical Hebrew language. So the idea, if you wanted to say pearl, you'd really be stuck with, and there's a couple options, but you'd really be stuck with the idea of jewel. So this, you need to read jewel and pearl interchangeably. So if I were to look at that again, uh, I said to you, live, I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and beautiful, beautifully pearled, beautifully jeweled. Notice in this additional remes allows us to see the man and the merchant as God character. This also adds a significant layer to the teaching and that the kingdom of heaven is like the truth that when God found his people, i.e. you and me there's actually multiple use, Corey and me and Brent and you, dear listener, when God found us, he found a treasure, a true gem, a pearl in a field. You were important enough to God that when he found you, there is nothing he would do. There's nothing he would not do to acquire you. He would sell it all, which is obviously the story of the gospel. He would sell it all And do anything to acquire you. There's nothing he wouldn't do. There's no length he wouldn't go. Just like Corey pointed out. He sees your true value and is willing to sell everything in order to buy you as his own. Some juicy thoughts. But that is what I have for you when it comes to the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl. Unfortunately, the Septuagint does not help us in this situation. Well, again, and I'm telling you. You don't have to, you don't, if you're listening, you don't have to like this idea. You don't have to agree with me. I'm telling you, Matthew wasn't written in the, in the Greek. And there's just so many reasons why. And that's one of them. One of many One of so many Uh, I just can't make the Septuagint work Hardly ever with Matthew And it should It should be obvious And it just rarely works Which tells me we have somebody Translating it from the Hebrew Into the Greek And not doing a very good job Unless it's directly quoting the Septuagint At which point it always gets right So that's my take That's my hot take, Brent
0: Billings Just bolstering your, your theory
1: Absolutely Absolutely All right
0: Two parables with some bonus material. Absolutely. Good times. Uh, Corey, thanks for joining us. Corey Nadler. You can find him on Twitter. Ooh, this is fantastic. Fish Giblets. Fish Giblets. Oh, my gosh. F-I-S-H-G-I-B-B-L-E-T-S. Yes. So please please contact him and let him know how, uh, <laughs> how wonderful his voice is.
1: How many tweets have you put out there, Corey? I don't know. A few. Not uh, many. Oh, okay, okay. That's a few. That's good. You right. might
0: want to turn on your notifications. It's about to light up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, if you have any other questions about the show, go to BaymondDiscipleship.com. Thanks for joining us on the Baymont podcast. We will talk to you again soon.